Today is a, uh, a big day for The Rock 30. It uh, marks the 13th appearance for Three Days Grace to co-host the show. Matt is here. we got a lot to catch up on because last time we had the band on was back in 2018. So a little thing called the pandemic in between. So <laughs> Yeah, that good, thing. Good to see you today, man. Thanks for having me. So, you know, when I last had Neil on the show, as I mentioned, back in 2018, obviously things were great then. 2020 shut us all down, you know. So let's kind of go back to March of 2020 and just kind of talk about when things were starting to ramp up. There was a lot of uncertainty and you know, you guys were obviously thinking about new music and touring again, but uh, that just came to a standstill. So what was the uh, first initial shock value, I guess, for uh, when you guys got the news? Well, you know, like we decided to take uh, a lot of time off anyways. Like we were going to take uh, the time off to to write and uh, to record. And um, yeah, we toured a lot in 2018 to the end of 2019. So um yeah and then when that happened we we're like oh well i guess we got uh, some time and you know we you, everybody when it first hit too you didn't know how long it was going to be you thought okay maybe a couple months mm. here and then a couple months turned into a couple years so <laughs> you know we made the best of it um i had my firstborn son over the pandemic wow. so i was able to to be around for it that's and, good uh, now he's a year and two months old so it was uh quite you know life-changing for me sure personally yeah as the uh, listeners can see we're doing the interview via zoom today which uh, has kind of become the staple on how we communicated during covid uh not only for interviews for folks like me but you know for bands also because from what i understand you guys obviously did a lot of um you know zoom calls working out parts listening to what the other person was playing in their home or whatever so how did this uh, kind of change the whole dynamic on your approach to, you know, bringing your parts to the table or bringing ideas when uh, obviously you're still, you know, kind of separated, if you will? Yeah, like uh, it was actually pretty efficient, like because we each have our own like Pro Tools rig or uh, whatever you're using. I use Pro Tools. So like, you know, for me, I like what we're, whatever we're working on. I could just be like putting down the scratch vocal here and then sending it over to Neil and like kind of Neil was headquarters for what we would listen to. And there's actually an app or a plugin okay. on logic that's called listen to really. And what it, yeah. So what it, it does is it sends out like um, his session and you hear it in real time. So what you like, you can just like, he sends a link we have the link on our computer and we can hear exactly what he's working on there. And uh, so we weren't listening to the session through Zoom, which would be pretty frustrating, you know, because like you can't really listen to music through Zoom, especially when people are like talking and, you know, um, so we would actually hear the session for exactly what he, he was doing. And uh yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing to, like, you know, we had to adapt because we wanted to get a record done. We wanted to keep moving forward. So we figured out a way to do it. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, like you said, you did have to adapt. But, you know, just going back to every other album, I mean, from what I've gathered, just speaking with uh, different members of the band, you guys would kind of get together in the same room and jam out some ideas, which 
I mean, you were able to still do this, but still there's something about, I don't know, that eye contact or body language, if you will. I mean, how hard was it really to adapt, uh, you know, to, to do it differently than what you, you know, previously done before? Um, yeah, it, it would take like it would take more time in that way, because like uh, you're right. Body language is a big thing. And when we're in a room like do you, and somebody asks, oh, do you like this part or whatever? It's it's kind of like, well, yeah, it's OK, you know, like and, and you can read that that body language usually. So in that sense, it would take a, a bit longer. But, you know, we had time to listen to it and and, uh, you know, make a decision whether we need to improve on that part or if it's good enough. So, yeah. And, and you know, there, there's four, four of us. So if we're not all happy about it, it's uh you know, we're going to talk about it until we are happy about it. I guess it's almost kind of like homework assignment once you listen to a lot of the different parts each day and you, you have more time to kind of go and work on your individual parts to come back. Um, do you think that might have made the songs a little bit better just because you were really hyper focused on what you individually brought to the overall session? I think so. Yeah. Like, you know, for me, I'm comfortable. This is my studio behind my house. Uh, I'm super comfortable back here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I and like with with recording too. like usually when Neil and I are recording vocals together, it's kind of like, you know, he's running the session and then like. Uh, you know, he might carry it on too long or I can just like chop up easily. I'm pretty good at editing. So if I don't like that vocal, I'll just, just, or if I'm like running out of steam here, I'll just do this much. And like, so I was pretty efficient, you know, like I I'd get it done and, and just send over a scratch vocal and, and within, you know, within a couple of minutes, we'd be able to hear, oh, that's working. Oh, this isn't working. Let's make it better type thing. Yeah, I guess as a vocalist, it's, it's, uh, the dynamic's a little bit different because, you know, as you said, you, you may hear the drum part or the bass part of the guitars, but you, I guess, are the first to hear, like you said, your scratch vocals. I mean, was what you thought the right one and the ones you would send over, did you guys usually kind of have the same agreement if you will on the the particular voice track that you used or was it completely different than what you may expect yeah like you know there's always there's always some stuff because like i, I you know I, like when we decide what the part is i might do something a little different and uh like uh leave a note out or something right and uh you know then if it if it's if i did actually did it better here then uh, we'd keep that. But if, you know, I missed that note or, oh, you forgot this part. And, you know, like there, there was that stuff going on. But, you know, we we made it work. And even we recorded half the record with um, Howard Benson. So I live in Norwood. Neil has a country house just about five minutes away from me. So he, we built a vocal booth in his house. Oh. And uh, our our producer, Howard Benson, was in Los Angeles. And we did we did half the record. Uh, we brought some engineers from uh, the Hamilton area out to Norwood here, and uh, he was on Zoom, and, and he had to listen to over in LA, and he was actually able to produce the vocals uh, from LA, um, just like if I was in his uh, in his studio there. Wow. So. Yeah, we made it work. Like uh, half the record was done like that, and then uh, half the record we we actually were in the same room. So 
Technology, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, Neil once told me that um, the way he described the Three Days Grace experience, you know, the journey is like a book with many chapters, a lot of turns, if you will, some good, some bad. Um, I've always been kind of curious to ask you or someone else in the band if, uh, you know, anyone could rewrite some of the chapters of the history of the band. Is there anything you would change or, you know, just kind of leave it as it all happened because that's just the way it all played out? You know, it's fate, man. Like the way that fate goes, it's just like it just leads you sometimes. And uh, no, I don't think there's anything I'd change. Um, Maybe some songs in my old band, but (laughs) not in this I like some of your old songs, man. Come on. Yeah, there was a song called Casual Sex that I'm yeah. not, not too happy about listening to now. I was like... <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that one up, man. I wasn't going to, yeah. but you did it for me. So thank you very much. What was I thinking? So we're going to talk about the tour just a little bit, because actually you have a date uh, coming to Austin where I'm based at. But, uh, you know, since so much of this album was done remotely, and and like you said, you had to work out things individually, how much time have you guys, uh, you know, had to really get together to rehearse, to work out these new songs and, you know, start talking about a potential set list? Because, God, you've got a a ton of songs to choose from now with the new album, of course. Yeah, it it is getting harder to choose uh, what songs to play. You know, we got a lot of them. Um, we just did, uh, three weeks on the road. Uh, um, I just got home actually two, two days ago. Okay. So, you know, we're just feeling it out, getting used to it. Uh, I actually got COVID on the road and had to cancel a few shows, but you know, you, like we knew that was kind of going to happen. I, I hadn't got it yet. So, um, you know. But uh, I, I sang one show when I just just started to get it. And uh, yeah, it was tough, man. It was tough. But uh, I got some rest and was able to finish off the rest of the tour. So I went on the Shiprock tour and it actually kicked in as I got back uh, into port. Uh, no problems on the ship there. But my thing with COVID was, you know, obviously you had a little bit of the the aches and pains. My thing was just the fatigue. I mean, it seemed like I was just really tired for a long time. I mean, especially being on the road where you don't get to rest like you should. I mean, did you really experience a lot of fatigue when you got it? Oh yeah. Like, uh, I, well, I knew something was up because, uh, um, I think it was New Jersey show. I was singing and like, I just couldn't get like a full breath. I was right. running out, out of breath and I was like, what's going on? Like, Cause uh, yeah, like the two nights before I was fine. I was feeling great. I was like feeling back. I was <laughs> feeling ba- back to where I used to be, you know? And, and uh, yeah, it hit me and it, I was just like, I couldn't catch a good breath. And um, for me too, like after uh, five days or whatever, uh, my smell, like even to smell food, food started to smell like poison, which wow. was messed up. Like, <laughs> certain meats were smelling like poison. And uh, I was like, Oh my God, I hope this goes away. Yeah. But it did a couple of days after. Yeah. So yeah, it's trippy. It's trippy. It is indeed. But it seems like this last variant, it's, I, I don't really know too many people who haven't had it now. So I, I'm hoping it's kind of run its course and we don't get some crazy variant coming back in the fall. Cause it feels, I, I don't want to jinx it, but it feels like we're kind of getting back to a little more normalcy with these tours kicking in again and everyone's touring. It, it feels good. Yeah, for sure. I watched this interview where Brad talked about uh, having more of an analog feel on explosions. Um, you know, and, and you know, you're there in your studio. You're very savvy, obviously, 
What what's the setup you guys use to kind of get more of that warm feeling? Uh, you know, analog wise. I mean, obviously it has to all eventually become digital. But I mean, what do you kind of use to kind of to get that warm vinyl feeling, if you will? Well, uh, Howard uses a lot of uh, like keys, keyboards from uh, back in the day. Mm. All the insides and stuff. He solders them all together and stuff. Analog wow. stuff. So. He's kind of like he's at his house. He has like his own little mad laboratory going on where he makes <laughs> makes these keyboards and fixes them. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. So he lays down a lot of that stuff. And uh, Neil lays down a lot of the, the synth stuff, too. So, yeah, we definitely like to use analog stuff still and 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 digital, too, and just mix it up. And, and uh, you know, it has a unique sound together. So you a big fan of, I mean, I hate to say resurgence of vinyl because it's still got a long ways to go, but obviously more bands are putting out albums on vinyl again. I mean, is that an important thing for Three Days Grace? I think it is. Yeah. Like it's, it's just like, it's cool to have a vinyl. Like I, I have a vinyl player down in my, in my basement that uh, we play vinyl off of. And like for Christmas, I, I bought like uh, my wife, a bunch of vinyls and she bought me a bunch of vinyl and just let, like, you know, and even like watch it, like kids when they watch it go around and like, and the needles <laughs> picking it up, it's just more of a thing than just play. Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you can actually see it like the mechanism going i still don't understand how the needle is like reading like i haven't like it's it's pretty cool like to listen to music like that it's it's a different experience and it's it kind of sounds different i don't know if this is is true or not but someone did a ultra close-up on vinyl and in the grooves it almost appeared the same as like a wave file does when you you know record something digitally so I don't oh, know if that okay. has anything to do with that or not, but I was like, being a you know a total audio nerd, I was like, well, that makes sense, but is that true or not? But I mean, it was someone you know just had it hyper blown up, and it literally looked like a wave file. So maybe that's wow, that's cool. <laughs> the magic behind that is it. Cool. Um, yeah. So we are going to talk about um, Lifeline here shortly. A great song, great video. But uh, first, you know, I got to talk about your number one song that uh, made it on the Rock 30 to the top was uh, is So Called Life. So tell me about this track, where the idea came from and how uh, I guess it was in line of when it was actually recorded for the new album. Yeah, like so before the pandemic hit, we had the chorus already um, uh, of So Called Life. Uh, and then we wrote the verses uh after the pandemic hit so you know we were kind of feeling pretty secluded and uh you know but like you know the the chorus hits and it's kind of a party and uh everybody needs that something to take the edge off whether it's like you know working out or uh having a smoke or a drink yeah. or whatever it may be we all have that one thing that we need to do just to to make like life better um so that's kind of like what the chorus is about and the and the the verses are about the frustration of kind of what life has been like for the past couple of years yeah well the new song lifetime i mean obviously it tapped into my emotions of empathy and obviously for the band as well um you know you kind of describe it as speaking to the human condition to push forward and put one foot in front of the other even when you wake up and your world is turned completely upside down uh the song obviously was written before the the tornado there in mayfield kentucky but you know it serves as the theme for the lifetime video so i guess 
talk about the song first, you know, when this one came about as well, and then, you know, how it all eventually became in uh, to become the theme of the video and help out the victims here. When the pandemic first hit, my my uh, wife lost her, her dad um, and I had to see her get the phone call from from her uncle telling her that her dad had passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And, uh, you know, watch it, watching that and uh, watching her go through that and going through it with her. It was like we it was around the time we started to, to like probably two months after we, we started to write Lifetime. And, uh, you know, you, you don't know when when you're going to lose somebody. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to find like, you know, that person to talk like when you want to talk to them and they're not there um, in loss. It's it's a real tough thing. So, you know, we we I think we tapped into a lot of people uh, with that one. You know, everybody's lost somebody or something that was super close to them. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like people get pretty emotional when they listen to it because they remember and it's kind of like good feelings, but like also sad feelings right. too. When when you listen to a song like that, um, so that's yeah, that's kind of where that one came from. And um, our guitarist Barry lives about uh, three hours from Mayfield, Kentucky. Okay. So when we were talking about where we were going to do the video and uh, what it was going to like look like and stuff, he brought up that he had photos that traveled three hours far wow. from Mayfield into his backyard. Holy cow. And, yeah. So <laughs> he was going around his yard and picking up Polaroids or whatever. And like a families and, and stuff. He's like, yeah, it was a big mess. Like, and we're up here in Canada. So we don't, we didn't really hear much about it. Uh, so we started doing some investigating and, uh, you know, saw the wreckage and, uh, you know, some of the stories. And uh, we thought that'd be a, a good place to theme the, the video and uh, bring some attention to what happened. Because with media, it, it just moves so fast, like on to the next thing. And uh, I feel like that might have gotten for, forgot about pretty quick. So we just wanted to bring some more awareness and uh, do something for that town. Yeah. And and I believe a dollar of every ticket on this tour is going to help those victims as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. A dollar from every ticket. And uh, we looked at uh, some of their uh, GoFundMes and the, the school's uh, charity, it, and they're getting pretty close, you know, they're getting close to what they uh, were looking to set out. So, you know, to bring more awareness and get more people donating was uh, kind of what we wanted to do and and show show the story of what happened there in December. Well, I was looking over the uh, tour itinerary. You've got uh, Wage War 0936, and in, even some of my bestest friends there in 10 years are going to be doing some of your European dates. So uh, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, this is modern. The, the term modern rock used to change about every five years or so. Now it seems like it changes about every month. But I really like the diversity you have with Wage War and, and especially 0936 as well, man. So was there something you were particularly looking for for your support acts or just the way it worked out? Um, yeah, like both those bands are cool. Like we just saw we, we were just on tour with Wage War uh, for a 
few few shows there and it's a, a cool dynamic that they got going on with like uh dirty vocal and clean vocal in the chorus and a real good band so it's it was cool to have we we want a dynamic you know you don't want every band to sound exactly the same and right. uh be that same same kind of uh genre so we kind of like to to spread things out a little yeah is there a favorite song you have to play live i mean you because <laughs> to me it seems like you know even though this wasn't a big radio song when riot comes on it just seems like that's one of those that just gets the crowd just amped up and ready to go and have at it man yeah yeah that's actually one of my favorites to play for sure <laughs> uh people go crazy there's always a mosh pit it's uh yeah it's fun and i get to run around because i i take it's usually the last song we play so i take whatever little energy that i have left after that (laughs) that time and i just burn it out and i jump down run out run out in the stands and uh yeah the actually the last show i was singing and uh sing uh, throughout the show and i saw like a dad with two little kids and the little guys (laughs) rocking and stuff and I, I saw them a couple of songs before Riot, and I'm like, the, those are the people I'm going to go to. That, right. That's a, like, they got to, like, I got to go give them. And I ran over, jumped up on the, jumped over the barricade, got up in the stands and gave both of them a high five. And they're, they must have been like, I don't know, 10, 12 with their dad uh, at the show. So, you know, if I was, if I was those kids and, you know, dad was a big fan, those kids are big fans, you know, that might <laughs> sit with them for the rest of their you know, lives and yeah. remember yeah singer from three days grace came and gave us a high five and riot you know so things like that i i try to make happen so i i have to ask you that night you came down with covid what was riot like let's start a riot i gotta go to bed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i wasn't i wasn't jumping out in the crowd that one i knew something was up i knew something was up so uh. it, it, yeah. That's funny, man. Well, I am so excited that uh, Three Days Grace is going to be coming to where I'm based here in Austin. Of course, we have listeners all over the country that will get to uh, to see this tour, man. The album Explosion is now available for you. And, uh, Matt, always good seeing you, and I'll see you in about uh, three months or so in person, and uh, maybe we can sit down and, and do another one and kind of get the fans updated. Yeah, man. Thanks, dude. All right, my friend. Appreciate have a good day. It. Thank you. You too. Take care.